Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We reap what we sow more than we sow and later than we sow. No farmer who plants and you go out the next day and say, well, what are you doing out here? Well, I'm looking for my corn. When did you plant it? Yesterday. Oh, whoa. It's going to take time. So when we think about that principle, in agriculture, none of us have any problem with it. But the minute you bring it into the church, we struggle with it. That's because we're selfish takers instead of generous givers. That's my sin nature. Christ is a great example of what real love is. His love was demonstrated by his sacrificial love on the cross. He died not for his sins, but for the sins of the world. His sacrificial love was so great that words cannot express it. John urges us in chapter 3 to lay down our life for our brothers and our sisters and even our enemies. This is a wordless, speechless love that transmits volumes. It is pure love when we die to our own desires and needs to give to others. We will show our love by giving ourselves away without expecting anything back. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 10, with our continuing study entitled, Spiritually Healthy Indicators. The word compassion means I have sympathy, I have mercy, I have empathy. Now notice, this is a way we can lay our lives down for others, by giving to those who are in need. Now look at me, need is broad. People have needs, all of us. We live in a world, all of us have needs. Physical, emotional, spiritual, financial Life beats us up, every single one of us. So I'm going to focus on the generic word need, but I'm going to a little talk about financial need too, because I think that's important. But the need that we're going to see there, I should have compassion for people, and I'll discover that in small groups. See, looking out here today, I I can't discover the needs. But in a small group where people share, we can discover it. And it's easy then to have that compassion and mercy and empathy. In fact, one day, Paul wrote it like this. Therefore, as we have opportunity in Galatians 6, let us do good to all people, not just believers, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Now, when we talk about basic needs, physical kind of needs, what are we talking about? Food, clothing, and shelter. In other words, the necessities of life. Let me give you two cautions this morning. This challenge to us in the scripture does not mean that we just indiscriminately give to everyone. Here's why. Sometimes people's needs are actually their wants. So they say, you have this, I want that. Well, no, I'm not, 
I'm not commanded to give to their wants. I'm commanded to meet their needs. Those of you that have college students will understand this principle. Sometimes giving money to a person will harm them more than help them. I was just reading in my Bible study this morning. I'm kind of doing the, uh, the one-year Bible, different path. And, and basically in Proverbs, it said this. If you give money to one of your grandchildren too soon, it'll ruin them. Talking about retirement and things you're going to give them. How true is that? How many kids have been ruined because people gave them their inheritance way too early? It's like the car you want to read. Just spend it yourself. No, I'm going to balance that. So when you begin thinking about the scripture, I have to be careful. I just don't indiscriminately give to people because sometimes it's not good to them. So how do we help people here financially? Well, lots of ways. But one of the ways we help them is to get them into a course on how to handle their money. Because see, if you give money, and you always have to do that initially because they're going to not pay the rent, whatever, we do those kind of things. But long term, what do I want to do? I want them to learn what? How to handle money. Whose money is it? It's God's money. So we have a course. We have lots of different ways for you to get involved. Because it's no good if you have 12 credit cards and they're all maxed, you will never enjoy life because you're in bondage. So we teach people how to get out of debt. So eventually then you can what? Help others. Second caution I have is this. If I said to you this morning on all of our campuses, we're going to meet every single need in all of our counties where our campuses are starting tomorrow morning. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely that's not possible. I learned that many years ago. I took with me like 200 pennies when I went to Haiti just for fun to give to the kids. I got off the plane, and here come the kids. In about two minutes, I had no pennies left. There was another thousand kids. I can't meet every need. This church can't meet every need. So what do we do? Well, here at CCM, we do care, and we do make many needs to our benevolence program. Now, our benevolence program is funded by you. As you give, part of that goes to the benevolence, helping people who have needs in our church. But outside the church, we also help. There's many organizations outside the church, social organizations, food pantries and clothing things and Salvation Army and women's shelters. We give to them routinely. Why? Because they can actually do it better. And we give to them. So we're not just meeting the needs of people here in our church, which we do, but we're trying to meet the needs of the others. Now, We have to learn to do that because the Bible says we'll always have the poor with us. So we do it, not because we have to, we do it with compassion. Now, look at what Jesus did. One day, when Jesus was looking at people, he was our role model for compassion. Look what it says in Matthew right here. Matthew 9, 6. When he, Jesus, saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He felt for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the need that he saw was, of course, spiritual. But more than that, he saw it. Why do we sometimes not see people's needs? Because our life is so busy. Then we go right by it. You'll see that perfectly. Hold on to that thought because the last passage of Scripture we're going to... People see a need, they just walk right on by it. 
That's one of the reasons in a small group, when you see a need, they're sitting across. They're people you know. And you can have that compassion much more easily by walking into their shoes because you see them every week and now you see them hurting. Now, I have to be compassionate, healthy signal, healthy indicator, but I also have to be generous. Now, when you open the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we discover something. God is a giver. God so loved the world, say it with me, that he he gave. When Adam was formed, he took dirt, formed Adam, and he breathed into him life. God loves to give good gifts to his kids. Every single day, we constantly experience God's generous giving to us. Now, there's a problem. God is a generous giver. He never holds back. He's not stingy. He's a generous giver. But I was born with a sin nature. So were you. Because of that, my sin nature is not to be a giver. My sin nature is to be a taker. Now, I want you to get ready, because you're going to have to say this to your neighbor at all of our campuses. Get ready. You have to be honest with yourself. I want you to say this to your neighbor. God is a generous giver, but I can be a selfish taker. Shall we just close and leave right now? (laughs) Did the rubber just hit the road? Yes, it did. How many of you can honestly say that sometimes you're a selfish taker. Let me see your hand. That's exactly right. Take another dose of that blood. Jesus, that's my nature. That's not what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be following God as a generous giver. Now, I like to share personally stories that Linda and I are going through. And I'll say this without any reservation, not in a bragging way at all. Linda and I were raised in Christian parents who taught us to be givers, specifically to God. So we've been givers and tithers of our money financially. We've been givers of our time and our talents and our possessions since just the beginning of time. As soon as we knew and understood, we were taught by our parents, because they were, to be givers. Not perfect, but, but givers. But recently, over the last four or five months, God's been speaking to me. And the question now is, am I a generous giver? See, a giver is one thing, but a generous giver is something else. Am I really a generous giver? Well, I'm a consistent giver. So Linda and I are working on that. We're trying to say to God, okay, I want to be like you. I'm a giver, but I want to be a generous giver. Of my time, not just money by any means. My time, my talents, my possessions, whatever I have. I mean, if God came to us and said, give all this away, would I do it? Would I trust him enough? So I want to challenge you this morning with the word generous. Because you guys are givers like crazy. You serve all over the place. You're amazing people. But I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe there's a step further we can go. See, I'm a manager of people as well. I always have been. That's a gift I have, managing and teaching and whatever. And for 25 years, I managed a hospital pharmacy. and never had to lay anybody off, all the people that work for me, the millions of dollars I had up, because I can take a nickel and squeeze it till there's nothing left. (laughs) Now, that's not all bad, but sometimes I can be a little stingy with that. If I mention the word generous and I mention the word tip you're going to lay down at lunch, how does it go? You see, it hits us, it hits me, it hits all of us in a lot of places. So we have to think about it. By the way, one of the most generous people in the Bible gave two mites. 
So it's not about the amount. It's always about the heart. David wanted to build the temple for God because he was a warrior. He couldn't. So he collected the goods and then his son Solomon would build it. I want you to look at this passage and understand how good God is to you this morning and me. Here it is. You'll see it in First Chronicles 29. David writing, praising God. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We simply adore you as the one who is over all things. So we already, he's acknowledging everything is God's. Next, wealth and honor come from you, watch the word, alone. Everything you and I have comes from God alone. It all starts with God. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Well, Pastor Mark, I got a a promotion this week. I'm head of this corporation, and it's because of my greatness. Foolish. It's because of God's goodness. Next. I love these last two verses. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise you and praise your glorious name. Here's humility. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything, God, to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. What have we learned from that? Everything we have is a gift from God. So I want to learn to be generous with my time, my talents, my possessions, and ministering to the needs of people. By the way, in the passage that Jesus gave us, when he had compassion on the people, you know what he did the very next thing? He taught them. That's one of the things God enables me to do as a pastor, is to meet your need by teaching you the Word of God. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to apply this not just to teaching, not, not just to meeting all kinds of different needs, but I want to take a, just a moment to talk about it in a, in a physical way and in a financial way. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Look at this quickly. Now, in Paul's day, there was a lot of farming. So he'd use an illustration. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, at all of our campuses, watch this, verse 6. Paul says this. Now, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously, there's our word, will also reap generously. This is, this is a simple thing that you understand. This is a, a principle of life. In Galatians, he, it, Paul says it like this. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Watch me. A man sows, a man reaps what he, what he sows. So what is this principle about? It's a principle you know. Let's say you're a farmer today, and you have 40 acres. You have 40 acres to plant. And you go out, and you plant one of the acres. You plant it. And somebody comes to you and goes, man, what are you expecting? And you you just planted, and you said, well, in a little while, I'm going to get 40 acres of corn. I just planted one acre, but I'm going to get 40 acres of corn. How many of you would say to the guy, how many acres is he going to get? Tell me, tell me. How many? One. The other 39? Nothing. See, we have no problem with that. I mean, that's common sense. You have no problem with that at all until you bring it into the church. What? Where are you going with this? 
where you don't want me to go. So every farmer understands that principle. Whatever a man reaps and sows, it comes because of that principle. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to write this down. And this, this has to me, if I sow love, if I sow mercy, if I sow grace, I'm going to get that back. In fact, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, if you're merciful, if you're merciful, you will receive mercy. If you're harsh and condemning, you'll receive that back. So here's what every farmer knows. And you need to understand, it's a spiritual principle as well. We reap what we sow more than we sow and later than we sow. No farmer who plants and you go out the next day and say, well, what are you doing out here? Well, I'm looking for my corn. When did you plant it? Yesterday. Hello. It's going to take time. So when we think about that principle, in agriculture, none of us have any problem with it. But the minute you bring it into the church, we struggle with it. That's because we're selfish takers instead of generous givers. That's my sin nature. Now look at verse 7. Each man, each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give. This could be about all kinds of things. could be about forgiveness. Somebody's hurt you. Well, I want to forgive them, but not really. I, I want to string them up. I want to make them feel really bad. No, 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 no. In your heart, you should give them what you want, forgiveness. That's what the Bible teaches us. So each man should give what he is, or woman should decide it in their heart to give. Not reluctantly, not because you have to, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We need to learn the joy of giving, whatever it is, and not because it's always a heart issue. It's never because I have to. Now, there's a whole doctrine out there called the prosperity doctrine. It's false. It, it destroys churches and has for the last 50 some years. People say, if, here, plant your seed, your daughter will be healed, plant your seed, your marriage will be healed. Just give money to us. Give money to us. Give money to us. And when you watch Christian TV, it drives you crazy because they're just bilking people. But there is a principle of giving. And I want to show you what the real balance of it is. So I love this next verse in the New Living Translation. You're right there. You'll have your own verse in your own area. Take a look at this verse, verse 8. It's right there in your Bible. Look what Paul continues with. He says this. When I give mercy, grace, whatever, look who's in charge of responding to my giving. It's God. When I give, God honors it. Notice. And God, when I, whatever I've given in my heart, and God will, what's the word? Say it with me. Will generously provide all I need. But that's not the end. Look at his promise. Then you will always have everything left over that you need to hoard and keep and brag about. Is that, is that right? No, we don't give to get. We give to bless others. That's the true meaning. Notice. And you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. How can I have plenty left over? Because just like the corn, when you plant a seed of corn, you just get one seed of corn? No, you get a whole stock with lots of it. How did that happen? God. And plenty left over to share with others. See, that's generous. That's God's principle everywhere. He's in charge. He's the ultimate source of our provision. Everything you have. If I want to give love to somebody, I'm going to give love because God loved me first. Now... I want you to write two things down. 
Here's the real principle of giving. Love, time, energy, all those people are going to watch the Awana kids, all those kind of things. When we do that, what does God promise? He, when, when I'm generous with myself and my time and my talents... By the way, a teacher, a teacher always learns this. When you teach, you learn twice. So guess what happened all week? God's truck with big rubber wheels has run all over me all week. The rubber hit the road all week. That's why my face looks like it does. You should see my back. But I'm running over you today. His truck is out there going, man. The rubber is hitting the road. Could I hear an amen? Well, here's the two principles you want to write down. When you give generously of yourself, your time, your money, whatever, what happens? Here's promises, not from Balmer, not from Calvary Chapel. These are promises from God. Number one, God will provide everything I need, not want. I'll have everything I need to do what he's called me to do, everything. Number two, God provides for others' needs through me. And when you get that, you know the principle, we've heard it. It's better to give than receive. But our selfish nature goes... No, actually, it's a lot better to get. When you start giving and you give generously, realizing it's not yours anyway, of your time and whatever, you realize how blessed you are. It is a real privilege. And we have a church of giving people in so many ways. Thank you. You've learned it. And it becomes infectious because we just love to give to other people. Now, let's talk for a moment about the spiritual aspect of how, how we make all these things happen in this church. We have buildings, and and we have ministries, and we have all kinds of things. How do we make this happen? God provided three ways to give. Let me me show you how it works. We're to give 10% tithes off the top. Whatever, if you make $450 before taxes, you give 10% right to God. And you give it generously, and you give it weekly, or biweekly, or monthly, or whatever, and you give it joyously. And you're not going to, it's not really generous because that's due God. When I give off the top, what am I saying? I'm saying to God, It's all yours. Everything in the Bible is first fruits, right off the top, right off the top. And then I have offerings. So I'll help missions. When you guys are so generous putting the seed project up, remember we bought verses, and that's going on. They're translating those languages and those amazing people that don't have a Bible yet. And then third, these are the poor things. Part of the money you give uh, here even goes to to the poor because we'll always have the poor with us. Now, the tithes always come right into the storehouse. It comes into the church where you're fit. It's not 5% here and 5% to omission. It's 10% here, just a starting point, and you give it joyfully. Now, I want you to look at this, and then I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little quiz and, and show you where, where people struggle quite often. Ties. We know in the United States, I can't speak about the world in the United States, in Christians, Christians, the maximum number we've ever really seen is 7% of people tithe. 93% of Christians don't tithe. My heart for you, it hurts because you've never learned to be generous with God. Do you want to be like God? Pastor Mark challenged us with the word generous. Are you a consistent giver or a generous giver? Are you willing to give everything away? Would you trust God to take care of you if he asked you to give it away? These are the questions that Pastor Mark posed in today's message. It may make you uncomfortable to think of those questions, but it truly is where the rubber meets the road. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 6118. And the title of this message is Spiritually Healthy Indicators. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 6118. And the title of this message is Spiritually Healthy Indicators. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue in 1 John chapter 3. Pastor Mark will continue to challenge us on how we can give more to God. How can we be more generous with our neighbors, with our love, with our talents? Pastor Mark will remind us that love needs to be put into action. We can do that through our generosity with our gifts and talents. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope He is giving. Lord, let us hear Your lessons for living.